Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookin brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Ellen Gatos. Her work has received the Richard J. Margulis Award for Nonfiction Writers of Social Justice Journalism and appeared in the Texas Review, the Columbia Journal, and Ninth Letter. Her new book is Pig Years, which is published by our friends at Knopf. Ellen, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It is an honor to have you here. And Ellen, you say this story, A Pig Years, started as you were taking notes on pigs. Uh, For what reason, Ellen, were you taking notes on pigs and how did those notes turn into this book? (laughs) I got a job on a pig farm and uh, I just started writing about the pigs a little bit. I found them to be completely fascinating and endearing Mm -hmm. and um, I just wrote a story about pigs that was a few pages long and then one of my friends was like you should write a book about this Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how it started but it was really cumulative like journal entries and just days at work really that turned into a book yeah very good thank you so much and you Ellen were born in Vermont Uh, I was thinking about moving to Vermont for a minute until um Colorado swooped in and stole me away. I'll be moving there in a little less than a month. But how did your time in Vermont affect your approach to nature and to pigs? Um, I think just being from Vermont, even though my family aren't farmers or anything, it it Mm. still uh, has an agricultural feel to it, partially because I don't think the economy has really caught up to the 21st century in a lot of the state. Mm. So it was it's an easy kind of like first job to get when you're a teenager Mm. um working on farms and Mm. my first job was actually working at a state park in vermont but Mm. i just loved being outside and then i was like oh i could get a job working on this family's farm and i ended up really liking it and just kind of kept doing it from there yeah great and how do vermont farms compare to factory farms I think, I mean, there are some bigger farms in Vermont too, like dairy farms with thousands of cows, but just the geography of the state, I think makes it kind of impossible to have farms on the scale that they are uh, in the Midwest and California and stuff. Um, And it's a lot more family operations from what I understand at least. So it's just kind of a different scale than other parts of the country. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Um, You write about a pig named Gumdrop who became accidentally pregnant. How does a pig become accidentally pregnant? And what would have happened to Gumdrop had Gumdrop (laughs) not become pregnant? Uh, She became pregnant accidentally because she was in a mixed group of male Mm -hmm. and female pigs. And I Mm -hmm. think the male pigs didn't get castrated early enough they thought that they weren't going to be sexually active yet but they were wrong so she would have been turned into meat much sooner but she had a nice healthy litter of piglets so she got to be a sow for uh for i don't know if 
what her status is now, but she mm-hmm. got to live a lot longer than she would have. I know like on uh, bigger farms, pigs only need like five months till they're ready mm. for slaughter. So, wow. Thank you. Um, Ellen, I highlighted a passage uh, that says you watched a milk snake slither across a bathroom floor behind a running mouse. Why was there a snake in your bathroom? Was this normal and were you not alarmed? Uh, I wouldn't say it was completely normal, but the house I was staying in, it was like housing that came with my job and it was just really for for summer living, but it ha- it was very porous. There were porcupines underneath it and ma- mice in the wall. So I was happy that a snake was helping me with the mouse problem a little bit. Yeah, there you go. A lot of people who are scared of snakes don't realize that the friendly snakes are out there uh, helping them rid their, their yards and homes of the, the unfriendly things we don't want. So yeah, very important for folks to realize. Well, thank you. Um, you write about a pig who was slaughtered due to an untreated hernia. Uh, This pig was the children's favorite pig and they asked to be fed the pig's heart out of an act of compassion. Can you unpack this uh, statement in the situation for us and help us follow the logic? I think, well, yeah, I guess the pig was called because it it seemed like it wasn't as healthy as it should be. Uh And then, yeah, particularly one of the kids who was a few years older was really sad and somehow that translated to their child logic that they should eat the pig's hearts <laughs> maybe to be closer to it or something I'm not sure yeah do you know uh, what does a pig heart taste like and how do you prepare it I think that I mean I've put them into sausage before because mm. with a lot like organs you can kind of just incorporate them and things i don't know if it's also i know like cow's heart people eat in stews a lot and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah wow well thank you so much ellen listeners we are going to take a short break here for a word from our sponsor and then i will be right back with ellen gatos Book and Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM allows you to buy audiobooks directly through your favorite local independent bookstore like Explore Booksellers. You continue to put money back into your local economy and help local bookstores thrive. Please navigate to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook support your local independent bookstores in the process. I'm back with Ellen Gatos, author of Pig Years, which is published by our friends at Knopf. Ellen, there is a scene uh, where you are harvesting pig skulls for cheek meat, uh, the meat from their cheeks, and then you bury multiple skulls together and you ask, if this is an act of desecration. Uh, Can you walk us through this thought process where you were both respectful enough to bury the skulls, but then questioning whether it is an act of desecration to bury them together? Yeah, so I ended up with some pig's heads because they were just leftover meat the farmer had and they gave me. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I I buried them partially just because I didn't want animals to get into it mm-hmm. or get like attract animals to my little house. Mm-hmm. But then I did get a bit fanciful, I suppose. I put some flowers over it. I found some stuff in the woods. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, it's hard not to question all this stuff constantly with farming because you're often making these decisions that you don't know if uh, you really should be making them or you have the right to kill other animals and eat them and things like that. But then at the same time, it's kind of our culture and lifestyle and everything. So you just do it. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad that you um, said that, Ellen, because my question that follows is, is it not an act of desecration to befriend and raise these animals in order to kill them for their meat? And where do you stand on this issue yeah i mean i guess i've never dabbled in vegetarianism myself Mm -hmm. um i think it's okay for people to eat meat Mm -hmm. but i also think it's really instructive if you get to raise some of your own meat Mm -hmm. and have that, that kind of relationships with animals and one reason i also feel bad about eating factory farm meat is because the people that have to work in those circumstances i think it is dehumanizing but it also is like de-animalizing i don't know what other Mm. word to use i guess but i feel like i have gained i've learned a lot from all the animals i've worked with yeah and that's a good word i think thank you so much um Ellen, in the first chapter of you, your book, you speak of a dynamic uh, in the town that you were writing about, um, New Lebanon, New York, with weekenders, second homeowners, board members, trailer park residents, hippies, etc. And there's a stock car speedway. Um, can you tell us more about this hodgepodge of folks in this town and what the speedway uh, has to do with it? <laughs> yeah, I... So I've lived in New York State for a while now. It's completely bizarre here to me still. Yeah. But I do like it. But yeah, it's just an interesting um, coming together of different types of people. Like New Lebanon, there's no beautiful lake or huge mountain or anything that I would see as a particular draw. Mm-hmm. But and yet there people have their second homes here i guess it's still driving distance a few hours away from new york city Mm. so that definitely has an influence on it and then yeah there's you know lower income housing a lot of working class people Mm. and the speedway i actually live very close to now i can hear from my house Mm. and it's it's um probably the most exciting thing in town i would say and it it just feels like the energy of having a lot of people together here feels like a rare thing. So having that there is kind of special. Yeah, thanks, Ellen. And um, if there are two things that are terrible for the environment, uh, these two <laughs> things are factory farming of livestock, especially pigs, and stock car racing. Uh, how does this town, uh, New Lebanon, the farming of pigs, on a smaller scale and the hard feelings towards the racetrack, maybe show us uh, how we can band together to move forward and attempt to save our planet from overheating. 
I think part of the dynamic here could be used as like a cautionary tale, to be honest, because yeah. uh-huh. it feels very polarized on class lines. Like, um, I do think people are supportive of the small farms here, but it's like a certain kind of person doing the hard work and other people and weekenders come in and have strong opinions about how things should look and sound and smell Mm -hmm. and be and I don't know I think I don't have an answer exactly but I Mm -hmm. think that all different kinds of people deserve entertainment and fun and Mm -hmm. and to have a way to make a, a living and stuff so I think all that needs to be factored in more to those kinds of discussions I guess yeah and I don't think anybody has an answer Ellen or we'd be in a much uh, different place than we are now but it's good to talk about um thank you well finally Ellen um a person in your book who is about to move to Arkansas talks about the need to slaughter the animals on her farm which she doesn't know if she will be able to do and she says quote if we don't kill them they will overrun us end quote uh did she believe these words as they were coming out of her mouth ellen and do you believe them i certainly do not believe that i feel that we as humans have overrun most things uh i don't know she kind of had almost like a biblical register to her and i don't know why she said that exactly (laughs) maybe she meant just on the scale of their own farm like Uh if they didn't slaughter the animals that they would have too many and the scales would be tipped against them or something i'm not sure yeah maybe she just finished reading animal farm or something (laughs) um Well, thank you, Ellen, and thank you for writing this wonderful book. You write about a lot of important issues in a very engaging, eloquent way, and I think it is going to provide much food for thought to our listeners. Friends, I have been speaking with Ellen Gatos, author of Pig Years, which is published by our friends at Knopf. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Once again, I would like to thank Ellen Gatos for joining me. Copies of Pig Years can be ordered from www.explorebooksellers.com. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jefferies and this has been Bookin'.